Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. I don't know who that singer was, but he sounded pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, here we are again, and thank you for all joining us. We've been getting some great feedback from all of you. Obviously, you're telling friends to prescribe or submit. <laughs> subscribe. Or Close. Subscribe, subscribe, and uh, it's happening. Because we don't want to leave you guys. We're having too much fun. We are. That's and, true. And uh, Pat, say hello to our friends tonight. Hello, everybody. And we got beautiful Megan sitting on the right <laughs> of us. Hello, everyone. And tonight's subject is, you know what, I want to address one thing that uh, uh, one of our colleagues, Pat, went through. Obviously, Megan couldn't. Hmm. Oh, no, women can have colonoscopies too, right? They can. Okay. Yeah, you know why? Because they, they have colons too. Yeah, yeah. everybody has I forget, I forget. Yeah. I think of prostate. Well, you know, gym, kids, I think of kids are small, so they have semicolons. <laughs> oh, oh okay, yes, okay. yes. Yeah, so that's, that's different. No, but uh, I'm so proud of Pat because he's staying right on top of these, you know, getting checked out. Obviously. Oh, gotta stay, uh, gotta stay on top of uh, your own health. Be responsible for your own health. That is true. So, so I, I go for these things every ten years, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's uh, you know, you you forget what the previous one was like, and after this, you're one the only one that say, finds uh, it interesting. It's not I can fun, tell you that. is it? it well, no, and it doesn't uh, seem fun. you know, I, you're you're out. You know, they 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 put you in what they call a uh, starlight state, yeah, but I was twilight. totally out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Problem is preparing for it. Right, that's the worst o part, isn't it? Over a two day period. I mean, I I love my food. You know. Uh, Two days without eating. Mm. I never heard of that. I don't know why. I mean, you should check with other doctors. My doctor, I could eat up to, to you know, 18 hours prior, not even 12 hours, and really? just take no, all this know. stuff. Yeah, don't you have I to just, drink oh, certain stuff of, to gallons prepare? Gallons and gallons of it, yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, that's changed. Maybe perhaps that's it. This was only two little bottles uh, taken one at night prior to the test and one in the morning oh. four hours prior to the test. And that's it. Well, you but, have to. You have to tell me. Would you rather eat for twelve hours before the test and take all the other stuff? Or no, I would. I, no, I, you, I, you were you were miserable. I talked to you during oh, that time. Terrible. terrible. <laughs> oh, he yeah, calls me up. He said, "Good morning." I said, "What's it to you?" <laughs> I, I don't want to. You know, it's anyway. Uh, but for all yeah, our it's, listeners, it's if, if you're, you're allowed to, you're allowed to eat Jello. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. That's you yeah, and Bill Cosby. Look what sure. happened to him. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I, I never want to see Jello again as long as I live. I must have ate two gallons of this yeah. stuff. Oh, my. It doesn't work. It satiates you. You, you get filled up for like 15 minutes, but then you're back at the Jello. <laughs> it's all know? water. Yeah. Well, I'm proud so that anyway, you were doing anyway, it. I, I, I was very amusing. You know, they put you in this little room, and I had an 11 o'clock appointment. Got to be there at 10. I get there at ten o'clock, and you take all your clothes off. They put you in this robe, and you sit there in a in, in a bed. They attach you to various IVs. And eleven o'clock rolls around. I'm looking for this doctor because I, you know, I'm on time. Where is he? So eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock. He's still not there. So the nurse comes by, and I said, "What happened to him?" And she didn't know what she was saying, but it, this was a classic line. And she said, "Ready for this? What? He's a he's a little behind." 
Uh, oh my god! <laughs> and I, I was hysterical. This went right over the nurse's head. You know, I was laughing at my own. You know, maybe I she said, made you know, he's a he's a lot pod, of behinds. Right? Yeah, <laughs> she had no idea. No, no idea. That's so funny. That is a great yeah. line, though. Well, I just wanted our listeners to know that you are one of those guys, and I don't know how old most of our people are listening, but their family and whatever encourage everybody to stay on top of it right, I, and I, get I, checked. You know, you know, uh, just. Uh, give people a little push. They found twelve can uh, precancerous polyps in me. Really? Yep. Oh yeah. Yes, really. Well, that's what that's what that's about. They clip them right uh, out, course, so they don't get irritated and don't get you don't know, get worse. Turn into yeah. cancer. You know, and and the thing was, every six months for the last I can't tell you how many years, you take an at home test, which is ninety two percent effective. They said everything's fine. I'm thinking to myself, why should I take? Well, you know, go through the discomfort and and uh, of taking a regular colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. uh, if I've been taking this at-home test and everything's been fine, well, it's a good thing I did. Because maybe uh, next year I'd be making that podcast in heaven. Oh, my, oh my God. We don't want that. No, it, doesn't, want it that. doesn't happen that fast, though. Uh, I'm afraid God. of heights anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be up there. No, not, not, not to be a name dropper, though. Many years yeah. ago, Bobby De Niro and a good friend of mine, Jerry Arbach, went together. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jerry was diagnosed with cancer. And he passed eight months later, so oh, man. that's a warning. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about what we want to talk <laughs> about tonight. We've been yes. having a lot of requests and asking questions about my 46 other movies. So I don't know how we should do this chronologically. Yeah, how does or this just even go? criminal ones. Or, <laughs> I, mean, I wish they well, asked what, which ones know, they wanted to hear about. What, what, what did you find the most interesting? Yeah, I mean, you, you've told me stories. We, you know, we, we shared uh, back and forth, and I said, gee, this, this is interesting. Well, the, so, the one I had the most fun with uh, not too long ago was Any Given Sunday because I reunited with, with Pacino, and I've always been a fan of... Um, I'm such a fan of it. I got the guy's name, Oliver Stone. Uh, <laughs> what a guy! Uh, no, no, and well, he you know, was so funny because, uh, as you, as most people now who've read my book, he was always picking my brain on the Kennedys, mm. even prior to making this movie, and uh, he was always saying, well, "I heard this rumor and that rumor." I said, "Don't worry about it." He said, well, "I'm not worried about it, but can you tell me?" I said, "No." <laughs> you know, telling Oliver Stone's like telling the world anyway. But um, to get him on this as, as a director, though, it was interesting watching him because um, not only did he go $23 million over budget, and Warner Brothers just liked the footage. They said, let, let him just keep going, and we have this classic football movie. But most people don't know, Pacino reached out for me because he realized somebody in my family owns a football team. And he was almost right. It was my brother-in-law, Pat Bolin, who owned the Denver Broncos. Mm. So with that, we jump on Warner's plane to go out to see the, the, the team. But Pacino's brainstorm was he thought he could play Mike, Mike Shanahan, and he did. I mean, he got him down to the, the last part of every the guy's movements and just studied him. And that's who he played for the people who have seen the movie. That's who he was portraying. What was interesting because in the playoffs, Denver had to replay the New York Jets. And Pacino wanted to be on the field in the white box to start to feel how to direct. 
Well, most people in the, in the league wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't know any of this, but the, the law is anybody in that white box who's not an official, there's a $50,000 fine. Oh, boy. And Pacino was so adamant about doing it that Warner Brothers said, if he gets caught, we'll pay the fine. And get caught? No. Wow. He, he didn't get caught. He, I, ha I have the only picture of Pacino in full gear as a Denver Bronco assistant coach standing next to Shanahan. <laughs> and we stole it, man. It was great. But, what uh, part did you play? I, I, I played the interesting part. I played a, a, a guy that was partners with Cameron Diaz's father who passed on and we owned the team. And uh, I had to teach her the ropes of owning a football team. And she, I didn't want to say she was a spoiled brat. It was her character, but she was. And her mother, who I was very close friends with for many, many years, was Anne Margaret. And uh, so it was a lot, a lot of fun that way. And we had 38 movie stars and, and maybe 20 real life major football players like Jim Brown, Y.E. Tittles. They were all in the movie. Wow. And, well, what uh, year was this, Johnny? I would. I want to say it was '96 or '97. I don't. I don't. Don't remember. Yeah, I saw the movie, but I. I don't remember what. Yeah, and it was the repeat of the Broncos going back to repeat and win. Fortunately, the Super Bowl two years in a row, but it was in Miami, which you know, what what better place to be in Miami? Yeah. January, February, March, and then Jerry Jones was so kind to us. Because the NFL wouldn't sanction the film, because they saw all you know all the wild partying and the coke, like mm -hmm. they wanted to turn their head to that, but it was realistic. So yeah. Jerry Jones was the only one that offered us because we needed another major field, and he gave us the Dallas Cowboys stadium for a month. Wow. Then we went there, which was again, and that's where we finished the film. And we did a lot of stuff there with, uh, like I said, Charleston Heston. Charleston Heston actually played Tagliabue, the chairman of the NFL. So it was a, I'm an interesting piece. And Jamie how, how Fox. Is he, was how was he to work with, Charleston Heston? Oh, I mean, he's so professional. He's amazing. You know, I, I thought he was going to come in on a chariot. That's the last time I remember <laughs> yeah, That's another movie. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so the most interesting, I would think that would be just because the variety of players we had. I mean, we had real football players, actors that, you know, Dennis Quaid. I never liked Dennis Quaid, and he only uh, proved why I didn't. What a cocky really? Oh, what a cocky guy. And oh. I, now I know why he has no, no career. I mean, I never hear of Dennis Quaid anymore. Uh, he's doing, uh, he's doing uh, commercials. Uh, yeah, for auto insurance. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> huge, huge great, career, great yeah. career, Dennis. <laughs> uh, I, I understand it was some hijinks on that uh, movie, but fun things happen. Oh, a lot of things. I'm mean, crazy. Things happen there. Was... Well, that that was the segue to telling us what were they. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I don't know if I can because we, tell. We, this is a podcast. I mean, that I mean they they were really doing some heavy stuff. Really, well, it's if it's in the book, you know. Oh, it's not in our book. What book is it in? Did we put it in our book? book? Yeah, we did. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. 
But yeah. that, well, you know, you know, I'll send you a copy. You should read. It. <laughs> no, you know, we had so much in that book, and then when no, it, when Saint Martin's Press the, the, uh, started the, uh, editing it, I forgot what's in it. The fight. Oh no, we had a lot of uh, crazy things. Like uh, we we were finished after fourteen hours of shooting, and obviously the sun was coming. It was hot and full, and they they put us in a private little area down on South Beach. Mm-hmm. They took over this little hotel. So somebody got the the brainstorm of let's all go skinny dipping, <laughs> and you're talking about Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz. You're talking about who's who. Wow. I mean, I have the foot the the film, and I I mean I probably could sell it, but I would never do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. But um, it was interesting to separate the men from the boys, if you get my idea. Well, that, that's the <laughs> easy way to figure it out. Who's who? You know. Nice. It was a fight too. You told me. Oh, that fight. That was that was on the field though. That was with LL Cool J. I cannot believe how strong this guy is. Oh, he's a bull. But yeah. Jamie Foxx was very arrogant and playing the character, but we never knew when he was playing the character or not because he was that, you know, crazy all the time. And LL Cool J and him, you know, got into it and they broke it up and then Jamie wouldn't let it go. And LL Cool J punched. Jamie Foxx with a football helmet on and knocked him out. Now, talking about being tough. Oh, my tough, gosh. Knocked him out. We thought the guy was dead. But he hit, him, he, he hit him right right where the uh, the helmet guard is, just as it's ending near your chin. And anybody oh, yeah. who knows about fighting, that's where my first punch always is, just below your ear, because your yeah. nerve center back there will close you down. Knock you out. And... Uh, but with a helmet on, he knocked him out. It was amazing. How, how long was he out? You know? oh, oh, not long, but I mean, you know, uh, you know, 30, 40 seconds is a long that, time to be that's out. That's a long time, yeah. Yeah. And uh, So uh, after that, they kissed and made up, or were they still on each other's case? Uh, no, I mean, they, they apologized to each other because yeah. Jamie was really being, you know, an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, but again, he was in character. Yeah. Like, who knows? And it was a lot of tension because towards the end of the shoot, everybody was tired. I'm and sure. you know, were doing 12, 14 hour days. I loved it because, and most people, lay people don't know, after we do, do eight hours, then we go into golden time. Mm-hmm. Then we go into this time. I and mean, there was, I mean, one day, I, I think I was making like $4,000 an hour. Oh my God. And I was just sitting in my trailer. That's crazy. <laughs> no, but that's. How long did it take to make the movie? It took us two and a half months. But it was a big movie. I mean, is it? Oh, yeah, no, I, re- I remembered. How long uh, does it usually take to film a movie? Is I there a usual it, it, amount? It, it, it's about six to seven weeks is the norm. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, principal photography. Right. Uh, did you see the movie, Megan? I didn't. I didn't see that one. Great movie. You are, you, you are oh, going to now, it. though. Right? No, of course I am. I it's always on now. cable. When I, when I hear about how... <laughs> Stacked that cast is. That sounds awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. It was a great was movie. Awesome. Any anything Pacino's in? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So what else did you do that we'd like to hear about? Um, I don't know. I did. I, you know, I I like pl- doing Lepke. I it home for me because with my past and reading the book and but the Anastasias and all, all the Costellos and all that. Uh, the picture was called Lepke, starring Tony Curtis. And Tony Curtis played Louis Lepke. 
I played Albert Anastasia, and we just started Murder Incorporated. <laughs> so it's like everybody, I mean, everybody's in this movie. It's, it's really interesting because um, what most people don't know, Tony Anastasia, Albert's brother, is my real godfather in real life. Really? Uh, yeah. And he's, he's not still around. I no, 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 they're all dead. Mm. You know. Well, we know, yeah. But uh, what's funny because I, I unfortunately I've never been on death row mm. until that movie, and, <laughs> <laughs> and we and we shot it down in San Diego because we couldn't use any of the prisons up here, and they shot it at night. And looking out the cell windows, you saw the bridges, and you would definitely think you were up in New York on the east up in the East River. Mm-hmm. Really, and and it was and. Obviously, there was a book called Is Jewish. So the rabbi came to give him his last rites and all of that. Then they shaved his head because they were going to electrocute him mm. and all the spots that they needed. And then they're doing the last walk from the cell to the, to the, the chamber where they're going to kill him. And we get a lightning storm you cannot believe. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you would think, so we're all, you know, nuts anyway. And, 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 Tony Curtis has the yarmulke on, he's walking, and, um, and and we're supposed to say things to him, you know, because we're all mm. on death row. And I said, uh, Lepke, you believe this storm? And he looks at me like, where's he going with this? <laughs> and I said, we're probably gonna get an Oscar for special effects. Anybody, everybody started laughing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it was you know, crazy. He got screwed in real life, uh, Lepke. He, he, he gave himself up for a specific prison term and they screwed him. Well, Dewey, see nobody, yeah. I, I, know, I know so about, so much about that, obviously because in the movie, but Dewey made a deal with him. If he that, turned so himself everybody in. everybody knows who Dewey is, you should explain. Yeah, oh yeah, Dewey? well Dewey was a governor Dewey. and he was running for president. Oh. And they could never find Louis Lepke, oh. where he was hiding. He was hiding in the main pillar in the Brooklyn Bridge. What? Nobody could know where it was. They knew they had the architectural design. Uh-huh. They were bringing him, he was listed radio, he was in New York City. But nobody knew well, where he was. What? How long was he on a lamb? I mean, he was like public enemy number one. They were looking for this guy forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was something like 48 murders they tied him to. Oh, my how, how long was he on the lamb? It was a while. Right? Yeah, it's, I think it was almost a year, year and a half. And, yeah, but uh, he contacted Walter Winchell. And yeah, Walter Winchell deal. was a mediator. Very yeah. good, Pat. So, what, they just this? make it, they made a plea deal and then it, no. it didn't Well, it wasn't a plea deal. It wasn't it, a plea they deal tried to go into court, but it was a deal where Lepke, who was embarrassing law enforcement, because the law enforcement couldn't find this guy. Uh-huh. So, uh, Le- Lepke uh, was going a little, uh, uh, you know, he had a little cabin fever. He said, Well, if I get a good deal, I give myself up. Turns himself into Walter Winchell, who was a big time columnist at the time. Oh. He, went on to, he went on to narrate the old Untouchables television series, he had this like staccato delivery, a very, very pronounced voice. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, Winchell was a a, uh, a character. He was involved with everybody, friends with Jed, go over, gangsters, everybody. Well, it's funny you should say that. I I was on first name basis with Walter Winchell and Johnny Miller, who was another big columnist, and they met every night at the Copa or the Harlem Club, the yeah. Latin Quarter, and I would be delivering people like Grace Kelly, Audrey Hepburn, oh. because they were at the Women's Hotel here, the Barbizon, on 63rd Street, and Costello would give me an envelope. So I got to meet these guys in real life. It was so funny. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. I, I, read, I read Winchell's biography. I was interested in the guy because of the, the era he operated in. 
I mean, he was the most popular columnist in, in the in the United States. Oh yeah. But he was hated. This guy was hated by everybody. I mean, when he died, not one person came to his funeral. Not one person. Really? Wow. Yeah. Not yeah. even his mother. Nobody. <laughs> well, Nobody. I never heard that. I mean, I never. I you know after my life, I I never even realized when he died, he didn't die. Yeah, it was a fascinating book. Uh, I read it like 15 years ago. As soon as it came out, I bought it. The guy always fascinated me. Uh, you know, the power he had. But I why, mean, why, why was he that, that hated? That nobody liked Extre him? No, but he screwed everybody. I mean, he, he was a hated guy. And at the end, when they, they you know, when, when, when he passed away, uh, that surprised even me. I mean, you figured some, you know, there'd be some... Uh, yeah, the fans of somebody, so, yeah, nobody. But when did he die? Do you remember? It was in the uh, late sixties. So he died before Costello. Yeah, sixties, okay. maybe early seventies. You know, well, Costello uh, died around, in seventy-three. Yeah, it must have been early seventies. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I was uh, uh, traveling during that time for twenty-two mm. months, <laughs> and I, I wasn't around. Fascinating, but, fascinating voice. I don't forget the. Oh voice my God! I was, yeah, I was a kid. My name is Walter Winchell. Yeah, they're crazy. Man. Wow. Oh, hey, you just channeled Walter Winchell, man. You scared me, man. <laughs> no, that's him. Was that a good impression? That's how he, oh, yeah, Walter that. lives. Wow. No, that's him. That's no. him. Yeah. I used to that's listen it. to him on the radio all the that's time. It. No, I love it. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. <laughs> and he, he had that he had dirt on everybody. That's yeah. the I, I think delivery. J. Edgar Hoover was right. one of his sources. Well, J. Edgar Hoover, I mean, loved him because they, they swept all that under the rug about J. Edgar Hoover, which yeah. we had the privilege of writing because he was a known cross dresser. And until the Kefauver Commission, he denounced the mafia even existed. <laughs> well, that's but then he had wrong. no choice after that. <laughs> but how, how was it working with Tony Curtis? I love Tony. Well, you know it's so funny because Tony, I, I'm because I'm, of our relationship with Marilyn Monroe, both of us, and he co-starred in something like it hot. So I just wanted to meet him to talk to him. But I, I, he's bisexual, and yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. So this guy was like always grabbing my ass. And I'm saying, hey, Tony, I don't oh, go no. that way. Leave me alone. <laughs> don't swing that way. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, he's so crazy. That's funny. But uh, I, I, great memories. I'm a funny, funny guy, great actor, and uh, which is interesting because he, he was Jewish, obviously. And in the movie, he was Louis Lepke, more Jewish. Mm -hmm. And they, and I couldn't understand. This was a three-picture deal that I did with Manak Mugolan and Yoram Goblis out of Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did that. I did the Four Deuces with Jack Palance, which was about the Vachetti brothers in Chicago. And I did three gangster movies that were epic at the time. And I always loved Jack Palance. So oh, yeah, he was a character. But the thing that bothered me, I, and I asked Menachem, I said, why did you cast Milton Berle, who's a comic, yeah. to be the rabbi who marries, he's, he's the, the, the rabbi to uh, Anjanette Como, who was an actress, who was the wife of Louis Lepke in the movie. Right. And I mean, we thank God he casted him because we had so much laughs, with, you know, <laughs> and he did talk Hebrew and he had the yarmulke on, but I mean, in between takes, this guy would have you rolling around the floor. Okay. I tell you, I, I, we had an experience with him when I was a cop. I was in the tactical patrol force. We used to go to all the riots and work in high crime areas. So they would put us on a bus and, and move us around Manhattan wherever there was a problem. And one night, I forget what reason it was, we were in a Times Square area and Milton Berle was in a play 
and he was leaving the theater after the show. I don't know what time it was, but we're all sitting on the bus doing nothing. And he liked cops. Anyway, he comes on the bus and he entertained us for like an hour. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy was hilarious. No, he's always on, man. It's crazy. Yeah, always on. Always on. <laughs> you know, most people don't know that Milton Berle's house is in New York City. And I'll tell you where it is. It's on 54th Street. And his wife hated it because from what you just said, he'd come home at night and somebody would recognize him. He'll do an hour on the sidewalk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. He's yeah. always on. No. That's great. And the, you know, the interesting thing is his house is what's known today as the Friars Club. Oh, that was his house? He's, that's his house. Hmm. A five-story five brownstone oh right off gosh. of Park Avenue. That's crazy. She hated it, though, because the guy was never, you know, even when he was home, he was on. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, Megan, did you ever hear of Milton Berle before this? I haven't, no, but not before this. Hey, well, he was Mr. Now. Television. That's yeah, he, he was, was Mr. Television. television. He, he was Mr. Had the first variety show uh, at the invention of television in 1950. I'll give oh. you. I'll give you some more history. Go ahead. Yeah. The the theater that Colbert is from, right? And before that was um, he just retired with the um, David Letterman. David Letterman yes, Theater. Yeah. Then it was the Sullivan Theater. Mm -hmm. Before all of that, it was the Milton Berle Theater, hmm. right? And still there, obviously. Yeah, he was he was an icon. He was the no. Uncle Milty. Uncle Milty, <laughs> great, funny guy. I, I I think we're dating ourselves, Jim. Why not? Yeah, well, you know, it is. Yeah. It's nice to, for our young listeners to know all this history. Yeah. Yeah, some of these some of these people were, uh, I mean, the icons in, in in the industry and the people that came after them. He, he, here's a here's a factoid that nobody's going to give a damn about, but the uh, the uh, Seinfeld show, which everybody watched, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it was uh, he modeled that show after the Honeymooners, and the old Abbott and Costello TV show. You know, the, when they were always walking on the street, they get stopped by a bunch of crazy people. Right. Seinfeld m modeled his show primarily after Abbott and Costello, but uh, Jackie Gleason also. Hmm. Yeah, Jackie Gleason, now that you brought it up, was the second guy into that studio after Milton Berle. Jackie Gleason, I, I told you about this, but he used to come into my father's bar. My father owned an Italian restaurant in Little Italy. And don't, it was, don't feel uh, privileged, he, he great, never passed a bar. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Great cook. I mean, my father was a really good cook and uh -huh. hated to wash a dish. He never washed dishes, he just cooked. You know? So what are you going to do with all these dishes? You just throw them out. <laughs> he, he didn't mean that, but anyway. Uh, Jackie Gleason would come in there. Uh, Jimmy Durante. These are all, you know vaudeville people. All, you know, but that that oh, yeah. lasted uh, for years and years until they died. But anyway, Jackie Gleason uh, was doing a Broadway show, and uh, he came in one night before the show. The you know the Broadway curtain is at eight o'clock, so he he came in about four in the afternoon. My father's place was open twenty four seven. I mean, he paid off the precinct. To, he could stay open as long as he wanted. But anyway, wow. four o'clock in the afternoon, he comes in sitting at the bar, and I was there, you know, because we lived up the block, but he, he started to drink, and I was fascinated by Gleason, but at that time, he was a huge star. He had his own show, he had The Honeymooners, which is still on television today, Right. Mm. Uh, the, the reruns. He starts drinking, and he's drinking, and he went from a nice guy to the meanest son of a bitch you ever heard in your life. No I mean, way. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was like nine years old, mm. and I was scared. I mean, uh, he just got mean and nasty. He drank so much. He was a real abusive drunk, but he he just kept on drinking until he fell off the bar stool. Oh, my gosh. So he sprawled out on the floor, and he's got like a half at 
got a half an hour to make it the eight o'clock curtain. Oh. They carry him into a cab, uh, and of and course, that's a uh, feat in I, itself. I, I stay, he made the curtain. Fine. No way. No, they do that. I mean, all of them were like that. These were drinkers. These were professional. I don't get drinkers. that at all. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, and that's not the first time he did it. That's crazy. He came. Yeah, he used to. Uh, used to say, somebody had advanced word when he was when he was coming into the bar, and every kid in the neighborhood would, would show up because he would hand out dollar bills, and this is like 1954. Right. You know, a dollar bill is like a fifty dollar bill today. Yeah. I mean, it was like a hundred kids out there, and we'd wait until he he'd leave, and he he used to forget he handed out the dollar bills, he'd hand them out again, and I was, he carried around a wad of. Of singles with him just just to give the kids and he was a nice guy sober mm. and don't get him loaded he he got us in the ames pool parlor on 44th and broadway when they when they shot the hustler oh wow yeah that was my you know it, it's it's in my top five movies of all time have you ever seen it megan no i haven't oh that's a great movie the jackie gleason paul newman george c scott one of the best movies ever made played a, uh, made a, a, but, a pool shark Oh. Yeah, th yeah. Uh, they shot it in, in Ames. Of course, that's no longer there. Uh, but uh, he invited my father and I up to, you know, watch the shooting of the of the film. Of course, no one knew it, it would become the icon it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was there for that. Oh. Great. You guys yes. gotta make me a list of movies I need to catch up on. Oh, yeah, oh man, definitely the hustle. hanging out with us. You're gonna have a lot of movies. Yeah, right. Nobody will see you again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it hasn't aged. It, it isn't dated at all. It's a it's a film noir, good Manhattan movie, black and white. Oh yeah. You know, uh, West Side. You know, the docks and oh, all of that it was. Oh, really, really good. No. I, yeah. I watched it. I must have seen. I think the only film that I've seen more than The Hustler is The Godfather. Mm. You the heard Godfather, of The Godfather? I heard of that right? movie. Yeah, I think you might have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you a good movie. Watch it I heard the guy in there looks like you. <laughs> Yeah. You used to look like me. <laughs> Forty-eight years, years later, man. Everybody years. used to look like something. Boy. No, that, except you, Megan. You're going to look exactly the same until you're eighty-two. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, uh, yeah, you. No, there's, uh, there, you got that kind of structure. Well, it's like Grace <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. You have that kind of clean look. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Keep your voice. You if, every, if, if everything else goes, keep the voice. <laughs> I'll try. So, so what, what else? We should go to mailbag or one another um, movie. Um, I think we yeah, we think we should go to another movie. Another yeah, or TV yeah. shows. How many TV shows were you in? Oh my God, I did two hundred hours of television. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did. I did so many Rockford Files. They thought I was part of the cast. Oh my. They just liked me. Another interesting guy I used to do Raymond Burr. Oh, Ironside. I watched you last week. You were in a two-hour TV movie. Yeah, I played the uh, clothing designer. Yeah, you got murdered. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I'm, see, I'm I, I've been back. murdered so many times. At least I know how I don't want to go. That's true. <laughs> you know, I, I got some good Raymond Burr stories, but uh, tell us yours first. Well, Raymond Burr, to me, I mean, I, I mean, to say he was eccentric goes way beyond that. Who is he? Raymond, um, are you Burr. Look, see, young kid. I don't, That's I don't good, know. though. I'm like that. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the old, the old series Perry Mason? No. <laughs> no, okay. Okay. Raymond Burr. I feel had, like I don't know anything. <laughs> no, but Raymond Burr, as far as television goes, mm -hmm. was never off television for thirty years. Really? With Iron and what Side year, and what, Raymond Burr. What oh, decades? Major were characters. Those? Oh, I'm the sixties, seventies. Got it. Okay. And uh, I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, he had amazing. I mean, his series Ironside was on forever. Mm. Played a lawyer. 
Yeah, but, uh, confined to a wheelchair. Yeah, confined to a wheelchair. Well, you know, the truthfully, by that time, I, I don't think he was able to stand up. He put on some pounds, man. Oh. Not only I, that, what I found out, we shot that movie in Denver. And like you said, when it was a two-hour movie of the week, which that was the big thing. And uh, I, I, they asked me to go out, and I, I loved it because, you know, one, one, you know, Pat Bowen, the Denver Broncos. I love Denver even today to go. It's a great, so it's a great city. Great little city. And uh, so they said to me, how well do you know Raymond Burr? I said, I don't know him at all. So they said, well, you know, when, once you get to Denver, we should talk to one of the ADs, and they'll, we have people who have never worked with Raymond Burr, people to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, why? <laughs> or I care. <laughs> Until I went to his trailer. He's a cross-dresser. Yeah. Oh. You go in the trailer, he's dressed like Mrs. Burr. <laughs> really? You know, as we're speaking here, on the wall next to me, which is about a foot away, is an autographed picture of Raymond Burr. Hmm. Why, and you're going to ask me, are you what telling the hell me am I doing with an picture of Raymond Burr? So now I tell you my Raymond Burr story, whether you want to hear it or not. Go right ahead. I got to hear it now. I'm ready. Okay, okay. I'm in Vietnam. Tell me you didn't kiss him on the lips. No, well, I tell you, uh, well, and cool. you'll, you'll know why in a minute, because they thought I was dead. We, this was uh, 1967, and the unit I was in got ambushed, and uh, everybody was killed except me. Oh, my gosh. And, but uh, in, in the typical Army tradition... They listed me as, as killed in action, and the military sent an officer and a chaplain to my mother's house. Oh, my, my father gosh. Was, my father passed away by that time and gave them the bad news that I had been killed in action in Vietnam. So they're preparing my funeral. It was very traumatic. All the relatives, everybody's crying. Oh, yeah. Hello, uh, and they found out uh, that I was alive. Now, Raymond Burr, he never uh, advertised this. He never promoted but he went to vietnam many many times uh yeah, he was like bob hope entertaining the troops hey, yeah but you know, know he's not bob hope well what does he do except you know perry mason my client's not guilty your honor i mean yeah. what else did he do you know mm-hmm. but he he would go around uh on his own dime and uh collect uh names and phone numbers of all the uh the relatives of the troops uh, that were in the field and he would call their parents, their wives, whatever, oh, wow. got back. So he's the one called my mother and told her that I was alive. Oh, wow. The army, wow. The army still screwed this whole thing up. And this is only, we're only talking like three days. Uh-huh. And our day eventually was ironed out. It wasn't one of these things where, you know, they, they had me dead for a month. Right. But he's the one who called and said I was fine because, you know, we we're in the middle of the jungle. I was in the infantry, machine gun. We had no no communication with the outside world. But he's the one. So I tell you why I have this picture. That's one of the reasons. And I was so impressed with this guy for what he did for me mm-hmm. that I that my oldest son, his middle name is Raymond. Oh wow. Oh that's wild. Oh yeah, I wonder where that came from. Story. Can I, I ask you a question? Did you have did you have yes, my curiosity would be that what did your mother think? Number one, that Raymond Burr is calling her. And, and telling well, you this. He was so You're famous alive. at the time. I mean, he was the biggest star in, in the country. He was in the middle of Perry Mason. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, he was a big, big guy. And she didn't believe it. So somebody's, you know, trying to cheer her up, pull her leg, 
or, or, or be mean. Yeah. You know, psychos calling up. No, your son's not really dead. He's alive. But but he was able to prove it. You know, I, I don't know how what he knew or whatever. That's fabulous, but, though. That's yeah. A great yeah before the army told her that, whoops, you know, we made a mistake. So I got a picture of him, you know, signed, autographed. I don't know how many of them are floating around, but uh, I actually named my son. His, his middle name is Raymond because. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. And to our listeners, you know, um, Pat, his accolades as far as defending us on the streets of New York and being in Vietnam, as you just heard, one portion of his life, there were so many people that went and really never survived, unfortunately. That was a yeah. tragic, yeah. tragic war that should have never happened. But we can't go there. That'll be a two-hour show. Yeah, right. But I think we should go to the mailbag now. Do you think so? Well, yeah, I mean... After leaving that story, I don't know how you follow that. I know. Yeah, you follow that up. Go thank you, thank you, Pat, for sharing yeah, that with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank, yeah, you're quite welcome. I don't share that with, with many people, but I just shared it with thousands. Yeah. Yep, you did, fortunately. But, uh, but I, I think, you know, uh, once people found out, uh, but he lied, you know, about his, he was in the closet all his life. Oh, I know. And he, he even said that he, he was married once and his wife died. He was so in love with her that he would never marry again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's back then. Well, that was had Hollywood. Hide. Hollywood had, had to do that. Pardon me? Hollywood had to do that. They did that oh, yeah. for Rock Hudson. They Rock they, Hudson, they, they made Hudson, a lot of them get married just so their you know their masculinity and these fans would follow them. Right. And uh, you know because at that time that being gay wasn't even my. In fact, I uh, it's a funny story, so I could tell and make a little happiness out of this. Mm. I had an uncle, my my father, one of my father's seven brothers, and we never knew what gay was at that time. Mm-hmm. And he had he talks with a lisp, and my, my grandmother always used to say, he only talks like that because he's hard of hearing. <laughs> <laughs> the old Italian families, but they don't want to hear that. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, probably not. And nor did his brothers. was a very happy person. <laughs> Definition of a gay. So the pressure is on you, Megan. Is Let's hear what some of our fans think. Yeah, we're going to turn it over to some emails and a couple iTunes reviews as well. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we've been looking at those. We've had a lot of five stars, which is awesome. Oh, that's great. I don't know about this, but this is good. Yeah, yeah. Five out of five. It's the best it can be. So All our relatives. Yeah, right. It's my dad over and over again. <laughs> no, what no. a guy. Good old Don. Dan, Dan. Not Dan, Don. Dan. Oh, my God. We were all trying to make him a Don. No, yeah. yeah he's Megan a Dan. Dan. <laughs> so let's hear some of these. Okay, so first question is from Donna Esposito, and she asks, Gianni, did you spend time in Staten Island aside from filming The Godfather? Yeah, I, do. I went to Staten Island a lot because of my grandfather. He had a, a house in South Beach, like a lot of people in New York, in, in living in the city. They would mm-hmm. go there for the summer. It was and the then, country. And, yeah, it was the country. And it was at that time. There was no Verrazano Bridge. Mm-hmm. You either took the South Ferry, which was the Brooklyn, I mean, the New York Ferry, the South Ferry, or the 59th Street Ferry in Brooklyn to get over. But with that said, it was like, uh, then he moved there, and a lot of my relatives moved there. And I, I, I spent a lot of time there, so many different times, and, mm-hmm. and not, not of it, none of it to me was um, something I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. It was a very trying time with family and all of that. Mm-hmm. But Staten Island is, is a, a unique place, and let me just drop it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good answer. 
All right, so the next question comes from someone named Freddie. Didn't leave a last name, but he said, whatever became of the nurse that took care of you in the polio ward? Did you ever oh, stay in touch with Dolores? Yeah, Dolores Barone was amazing. I, I saved my life, obviously, and got me out of there and gave me, like we said in the book, the hugs and the jello at the, the end of the night when you, you really needed it. And I, I tracked her down and I found her in, in uh, California and we actually visited each other. When was this, Johnny? Oh my God, this was many, many years later. Uh, I, I wanna say probably right after The Godfather and that's why she was so proud to meet me too. Mm -hmm. She was still a nurse at UCLA. Wow. Yeah, and then I, I stayed in touch with her and then I, I think it was her daughter that you know sent me a letter from her mother and her mother was terminally ill and she didn't want to see me, but she wanted me to pray for her, and I did. Oh, that's oh, very sweet. Yeah. Well, she knew I, I think you know that the best uh, portion of the book that we wrote was when I when I wrote about how she held you after that that incident with that pedophile. Oh, oh my yeah. God! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, without her. Oh I my mean, God! I mean, who knows what would have became of you in that in that ward? Oh yeah, I probably wound up on the, on the seventh floor and still been there. Right. That's right. Yeah, right. We, I think we all have somebody like that in our lives. I hope everybody did. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. That's great. Mm. I'll do. Okay, go ahead and make it. All right. Next one is from Moira Guzman. And she said, when listening to one of the episodes, you mentioned that you sing. Would that be you singing in the introduction of the podcast? Wow. Thank you. What's her name? <laughs> Moira. What's her name? Moira. Moira. Moira, where do you live? We'll send you flowers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is me singing. That's it's a recording that got a little history too. I said one night to Sinatra, I'm gonna go in the studio and record. He's you are. He's when are you gonna do it? I said, I don't know. As soon as I get an orchestra together, he said, Well, use my orchestra. I said, What? That's crazy. Twenty eight piece orchestra. Caesar's Palace. So I found the studio right away. And I had pockets full of money, fortunately. But when I went to pay them, it was already taken care of. Wow. It's amazing. Oh. He did a lot of things like that. But he was another bad drunk. Let's go there. <laughs> but Moira, thank you so much. Oh, that music, it was never released, right? Oh, it's been released, but it goes nowhere. We're going to go with it. Mm, you know? yeah. Now maybe it'll be more fashionable. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should is, release it. it. Is that is that on the Reflections album? Yeah, it's on the Reflections album. Mm -hmm. but, well, that's for sale. I, I get emails from Amazon all the time. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, no, but at least once getting a week. the money. Obviously, <laughs> they they connected that album to the book. Oh, that's great. That's oh. good. Yeah, no, well, it, it's out there. It, it, who knows? Well, it's I think it's there. selling now. It's out there, my dear. If you don't get it there, Moira, uh, send me uh, an email or something, and I'll send you an album signed. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, so next one is an iTunes review, and this one was from somebody by the username Woody Rocks My Socks, and. This person gave us five. Is that five somebody you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't say it is. This somebody gave us um, five stars, and they said, came here after reading Gianni's book of the same title. Gianni has an incredible life story, and I'm so happy he's sharing that with the world. As a lover of all things mafia and old Hollywood, this has quickly become my favorite podcast. Uh, wow. That's a thank pretty you nice for that. review. That is a great review. That is thank a great you. review. I'm glad and you we, like old we, things. We, that means me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we survived by our reviews, and thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. people are loving it. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's good. What else do we have? That's it for today. Okay. Well, and then we'll be back with more in the next episode.
you got that right. And I think we should sign off again. Yeah, I guess so. And just say uh, thank you for listening in. And uh, we can't thank you enough because obviously without you, we have no podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really starting to like this more than anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. That is fun. Love you. I love you, buddy. Love you guys. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.